right, welcome back to the podcast, Right Hook Radio. Guys, it's been a few days, but we'll jump straight in with the uh, kind of biggest news this week. Uh, last Saturday night, Rumble Johnson and uh, Daniel Cormier. I, I think, Scott, I think you stayed up for it. I woke up for the main event. What did you, what was your take on that? I mean, I certainly, uh, I didn't see that coming from Rumble's game plan, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, it was, well, it made sense after he retired that he just wanted to get out of there quickly because that game plan was, um, I, I really don't know where that's come from. Every, all the coaches see, all the coaches uh, showed their um, frustration with uh, yeah. Rumble's game plan in the in the cage, he was it was a bit weird. Um, st- straight to the post fight interview when he was when he was looking for his team and they weren't there. That was that was an awkward few seconds. I was like, "What's going on here?" And I, even Joe Rogan was like, "I think they've left, mate." And he just looked. It was just a weird. I mean, coming straight from the co-main into that as well, it was just a weird uh, a weird night of fights. Um, and Rumble retiring was was a big shocker. Patrick Cote is probably pissed that he's told his limelight, but I weren't expecting that. And and Jack, you don't get to see your your dream matchup of Rumble versus John Jones anymore, mate. No, I know. I mean, I saw something in the back, and they were they were they were laughing and joking and saying, "Oh, at some point we'll just meet up and fight just so it can happen." <laughs> um, but Johnny, what did you make of it? Because I mean, Rumble hurt DC with that. I think he broke his nose with that left kick, and he, yeah. was, he you know he was having success on the feet to an extent, and then he it was real, really, really weird. Yeah, um, I don't understand why he did what he what he did, but you know, I, I think he just knew in his head this is my last fight, so fuck it. I think that I basically think that was just what was going through his head. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's it was really disappointing to see that he you know retired especially since he's at like the the prime of his career and he's knocking everybody out i think had he came in with a better game plan he really could have you know probably won the title um it took me by surprise as soon as he said i have something to say something like that i knew he was going to retire because that's pretty much what people do whenever they are going to but um yeah, it definitely did take me by surprise. And to see his team like that, I, whatever happened, I don't know if they left out of anger or, or if they just, I don't know. I don't know what happened over there. They say that they didn't abandon him, but uh, I, I don't know what happened. It was, the whole thing was just very weird, and it was uh, it was fitting because this whole process leading up to the fight was crazy with DC's weigh-in and uh, gay guard, Musasi, what happened before and that, that fight which we'll talk about later. But yeah, the whole thing was just very weird and it caught me off guard completely. Yeah, I think um, I think Henry Hoof went on to the MMA hour and cleared a few things up and said, oh, you know, I was I, I didn't I didn't leave out of frustration as such. Um, and, he, you know, he didn't on purpose abandon Johnson. But yeah, it was a little bit weird. And I've seen a, a separate video of those guys sharing a moment afterwards and it's, there's nothing but respect there. I don't think there was any animosity too much. Um, but yeah, it was a little bit awkward that he wasn't in the ring when Rumble was screaming his name and looking for him. Yeah, especially after what you heard about from the first fight with the transcript and and don't quit and and that, all that sort of stuff. And then when you get that as well, it must have been frustrating for Henry Hoof because he probably got a fighter that he knows could easily, you know, he could knock out heavyweight. So it must be frustrating. But Cormier retains the title, submits Anthony Johnson for the second time in his career. Um, and 
he let he let Anthony Johnson do his post fight speech first, which was nicer than Cormier. But then when Cormier got on the mic, mate, we know he's a fan of WWE, mate. But he he looked like he had that rehearsed, mate. You had Jimmy Manoa sitting in there in his Stormzy tracksuit. You had Jones there needing a haircut, and and Cormier was giving it to the pair of them, mate. He was he was uh, it was pretty entertaining to be fair. And like everyone has, has said, he's embracing the, uh, the the bad guy role. With the whole uh, the booing, and you know he got booed at UFC 200 before that fight was going to happen, and he got booed obviously this fight because of the whole towel incident and weigh-in and stuff. But you know Cormier's a champion, and and until Gustafson and, and Glover fight out, or when Jones comes back, or if they match him up with Manoa, you don't know what's going to happen. But I want to see him against Jones. I think that will be what happens. But do you see Manoa getting a title shot before Jones comes back? No, I I don't. Um... I mean, I I like Manoa, but he's I, he's he's pretty you know one dimensional. As soon as he gets taken down by a guy like DC or, or Alexander Gustafson or Glover Teixeira, that's that's gonna be it. So uh, I I don't really I don't really think he's gonna you know come. I mean, the the biggest name that he's beaten you know in a while uh, has been Corey Anderson. So I don't really think a title fight is. Uh, justified for him at this point. I think the winner of Gustafson and Teixeira has a better shot at getting uh, the title opportunity, or the winner of Gustafson versus Teixeira is probably going to take on Manoa. But um, I do see DC versus John being what's going to be next. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure where that fight's going to take place, given that Dana doesn't want John Jones main eventing a card. Maybe they'll co-main Michael Bisping versus GSP. That's that's what I'm. That's what I'm uh, assuming is going to happen, uh, just because he doesn't want Jones to uh, to headline a card, and I don't think that that fight between Bisping and, and St. Pierre is going to be ready by International Fight Week. It just seems like there's so many hurdles that, that need to be you know gotten through before that happens. So uh, that's what I'm assuming is that they're gunning for a big big card with uh, GSP versus Bisping, and then co-headliner is going to be John Jones versus Cormier, and hopefully the fight stays intact this time. Yeah, there's no way Manoa is ready yet, in my opinion. I think DC would ragdoll the fuck out of him. Um, Manoa might have a you know half a round to knock him out at the start, but no, not for me. And I want to see that Jones rematch. I'm looking forward to that. I mean, unless Jones comes and does something and fucks something up again, and Gustafsson and Tejero are already matched up, then Manoa could slide in and get the shot, but I fully expect it to be DC and Jones too, um, which I think goes similar to the first fight. I think Jones wins most rounds, but Scott, I know you're of a, a, a different, uh, you, you think it's a lot more close, but I mean, we'll get into that as and when we break that fight down. Yeah, that's the fight to make without a shadow of a doubt. We're going to quickly brush over the co-main event. It has been talked about all week, so we're not going to, we're not going to bore you with the same old stories, but You've got, we've got to talk about Weidman and Masasi quickly, mate. It was it was really, really strange. It was first of all, you can't blame the referee for making the call because we had to go back to the replay to even check what the real result was. So you cannot blame human error. You know, it, it was too quick for him to be exactly right or sure to be right. But once a decision is made, it shouldn't go back. And even if it does go back on on the decision he made, they should let Weidman carry on. Now I know. Since then, there's all these audios coming out where he didn't know what month it was and, and, and blah, blah, blah. But he did take a knee to the head. And in my opinion, if the fight carried on and Weidman would have lost TKO, 
I don't think they've had they would have been moaning at all because they've, they've, he's had the chance to carry on. Um, they might have called uh, Gegard a dirty fighter for you know trying to get the edge or whatever, but they would have had to accept the loss because he would have been finished anyway. So they should have let the fight carry on. I don't think there's uh, people coming out and moaning at Dan for 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 making the call. There's nothing wrong with that. It's what followed that was the, the mistake, and it just ruined a great fight because for me it was the people's main event in this fight, uh, on, on this event. So it did ruin it for me. I don't think Dana White doesn't really seem like he's going to do a rematch for some reason. Um, and I'm not too sure where we go from here with Weidman because that's three losses on a trot. Yeah, the whole thing was just really weird, and I, I, I don't, I don't really blame Dan Margliata for what happened because, like you said, it, it, it was all happening so fast, and and both of Weidman's hands were fairly close to the ground, so you couldn't really tell. And it's a little confusing. Granted, this is the referee's job to know this, but it's a little confusing when different states don't have the same rules uh mm-hmm. for mma so not only is it a is it confusing for the fighters it's confusing it's confusing for the refs the fans the, the the judges in some cases so it's i think there needs to be a you know just worldwide rule set where everyone sticks to because i don't know if instant replay was available on that i don't know if the rule with the two hands was available in new york i don't know but um, I do think it was a pretty shitty call to stop the fight right there. I think Weidman knew where he was. He was good to keep going. You take a few knees in the face and you tell me if you can uh, tell me what day it is today. So, and, and like I think Matt Sarah said, he never knows what day it is. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, that I don't think that's necessarily a, a fair judgment or a fair way to pass judgment on him uh, to see if he's fit to fight. You know, you can clearly tell when somebody's not fit to fight. He looked all up there. He's, you know, he was, he was doing fine. He he was he was just taking his time. The five minutes that he was, you know, that he's given by the rules, and and he was able to sit down and and recollect himself before getting up and continuing the fight. And the doctor came in and uh, called it at 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 the very best. I think it should have been ruled a no contest. I don't think it's fair that that Weidman got the loss in that case. Because I do think he was winning the fight up until that point, but um, yeah, the whole thing was just strange. Uh, th- this was a very strange night, uh, especially. It's always a strange night whenever you have you know fights in New York. There always seems to be something that happens. But um, yeah, uh, I I don't know. I didn't agree with that decision at all. Mm. It was a bit. It was a mess. But I think the problem was was obviously what the ref told Wyman he had five minutes. Wyman looked like he was sort of laying there and trying to recover and relax and then from the you know from the doctor's point of view that doesn't look great that the guy's mm. on the floor and can't move but you know he got up he looked okay i mean it, i in my personal opinion the fight should have continued absolutely and if it couldn't continue it's a no contest for me i mean it's exactly the same as what happened with tim means and uh olivera the olivera was deemed not fit to carry on the fight due to a controversial illegal slash illegal knee and it was ruled a no contest i don't really see the difference in this scenario but it is what it is uh yeah dana doesn't look like he wants the rematch so i don't know yeah i just wanted to ask you too what do you think's next for gay guard do you think the ufc signing because he's come out and, and and talking about the pay and he's he's obviously got the win under his belt you know he's on a five fight win streak now counting this one um, what do you see next for him? Do you think the UFC sign him, or do you think Bellator come creeping in and grab him? 
No, I, I think, uh, well, obviously Bellator is going to try and make their, you know, their bid, but I think ultimately the UFC is going to keep him. Um, mm -hmm. I think he's just too big of a piece of that division to let go of. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. As far as, I think they'll have to give him the money he wants in order for him to stay because he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to uh, just just take, you know, some a little bit of money to stay with the UFC. I think he would very gladly go over to Bellator and take, uh, you know, the the bigger paycheck. But I think the UFC is going to retain him. Um, and I, and as far as what's next for him in the octagon, I think it really all depends on what the New York State Athletic Commission decides to do with that win. Um, mm -hmm. I I do believe that it would pro it will probably get ruled a no contest and will. I would like to see the rematch. I don't think we're going to get that. I think both guys are going to be booked um, as if this fight never happened. So I could see a rematch with Rockhold for Weidman. I could see, um, you know, Gegard fighting Yoel Romero. I can see both of these guys getting top contenders in their next fights. Um, yeah. You can't really give Weidman a can at this point in his, of his career. He's the guy that knocked out Anderson Silva. He was undefeated at one point in his career. He's one of the greatest middleweight champions of all time, so you can't really throw him a, you know, a, a can for lack of a better word. But uh, yeah, I think both of these guys are just going to be booked like that fight never happened. I hope they re-sign him, man. I mean, I know Dana was saying that he doesn't, you know, Wyman doesn't pull pay-per-views in, doesn't pull figures. Mm. Um, I disagree. I mean, from now on, I think he's quite—he's a huge draw. You know, his new personality—he's bringing in some. Um, He's got some new, not new fans in terms of new to the sport, but fans that, you know, like myself, I mean, I, you know, I, I was always a fan of Gegard, but you kind of look, look past him a little bit. He's one of those guys that gets there, but not quite, you know, there or thereabouts. But the last sort of 18 months, he's been a beast. So um, I hope they re-sign him and then, yeah, match him up with Yol or Rockhold or somebody. But yeah, Weidman, uh, it's really on the bounce for him now. So I don't know. I don't know what they'll do with him. Yeah. Um, the, the, like we said, the two the two main fights on the card were had a strange feel to them. But the three the three fights leading up to it on the main card, we you know we had we had some big stories come out of there. We had um, Calvillo. Am I saying that right? Calvillo, is it? Is that right, John? Am I pronouncing that right? Why are you asking? Or am I murdering a name? Because you're American, man. Uh, I would pronounce it Calvillo. That's Calvillo. That's, that's yeah. what I. That's what I see when I when I. Well, she's a little star, mate. Coming out of Alpha Male, she uh, she really impressed me, mate. She was she put on a great performance, and Pearl Gonzalez put on a good performance as well. Obviously, there was drama with that fight before. You know, we had we had uh, Talgate with Cormier, we had we had Kneegate with Weidman and Musasi, and then we had Boobygate with these two. So it was uh, it was it was it was a great fight, though. To be fair, Gonzalez looks a bit. A lot slower on the feet compared to Calvillo, but when it when it got to the ground, Calvillo dominated, mate. And she looks like she's uh she's ready to take the main stage in that strawweight division. She's another good addition to that. Dana was hyped on her, right? Yeah, really hyped. I think he mate. I think he went and sat next to her in the post fight press conference, like he did with like Ronda and Connor and stuff like that. Well, so he was uh he sat, you know, he took the time out, went and sat with her, and helped her answer questions and. Yeah, he um, he was saying, I get this feeling a few times, you know, I've mm. had it with Ronda, I've had it with a few fighters, so I think that was uh, um, a credit to her performance, absolutely. 
Yeah, and she was quoting Nate Diaz as well, innit? I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. So, <laughs> yeah. But um, moving on to the next fight, Kote also retiring after a long career. Um, I know you both picked Kote to win, but Alves looked great again back at 170. His striking was a lot crisper. Caught Kote with a few punches, dropped him. Um, but just a real good career for Kote. Come in, I remember his UFC debut coming on short notice. Fought Tito Ortiz at light heavyweight um, and dropped Tito. Um, and and he's just been, been in wars ever since. He's always been known to have a granite chin. He fought Anderson Silva for the title and Anderson Silva didn't really know what to do with him. Um, and the fight only ended on a freak injury. Cote was doing well in that fight. But he had a great career, Cote, and I think he does a lot of commentary for French-Canadian um, MMA media. And I think he's, he's directly involved with the UFC as well. So... Um, just a uh, just a nice nice send off for Kote, even though he didn't get the win. You know, he he, he got to leave on his own terms. And uh, the last fight, the first, well, the first fight on the main card, and the last fight to run by quickly was Oliveira back at one fifty five. Uh, I think he surprised a lot of people with that result that he took the back quickly on Will Brooks and choked him out. And I think he's brilliant at one fifty five. He's not, you know, he's had some weight weight issues at one forty five and. He doesn't take a shot too well at 145 and he gasses a little bit. But at 155, he just wrapped Brooks up like a snake, mate, and choked him out. And I've been a bit disappointed with Will Brooks since he's come to the UFC because, you know, he handled Michael Chandler in Bellator. He was the champ. Um, he beat Ross Pearson. And then he had that, obviously, that strange fight with Oliveira where Oliveira was just so much bigger than him. But then, but then Charles was coming here and choked him out within the first round. So I don't know where he's going to go from here. What did you boys think of Oliveira's performance? He's a stud, man. Mm. And I think I, I think I picked Brooks. I think I picked yeah. Brooks. You know, decision as my official pick. I thought that he was really going to bring it. And like you say, he's had a few um, since beating Pearson. He's had a few. Yes, I mean, even in the Pearson fight, it wasn't a great fight. And I think we all thought he was going to come out the blocks and really handle Pearson. And it, um, it was a bit of a lackluster fight. But he got the he got the W. Then he had that weird that weird fight with. Um, you know Alex Oliveira, and then uh, and then this one. So, yeah, really disappointed. Um, he talks a lot of talk, oh Will Brooks. So, um, yeah, disappointed from his point of view. But yeah, um, Charles Oliveira, man, Jesus Christ. He, you know, he's yeah. one of those guys that if you look at him in the street, you'd be like, you know, and he, he doesn't look like he's an MMA fighter. But my God, that guy is brutal. Yeah, his ground game is uh, his ground game is very. He's very attacking in his ground game. He either goes for it or he gets subbed because, you know, he got subbed by Pettis. He got subbed by Lamas at 1.45, but he's always bringing it. He's always in exciting fights, and I'm, I'm looking forward to see who they match him up with at 145. At I hope he don't drop back to 145. Um, also, quickly, Miles Drury, after a long layoff, picked up a win on the prelims and looked good. Um, that's another addition to the 145 uh, division as well. So um, that's fight recap done and we are going to take a quick break to mention our sponsors and then we'll be back with this week in mma this episode is brought to you by wink the world's only personalized wine club have you ever been in the wine aisle at your local store just staring at the massive selection of wine and no idea which bottle to choose because i know i have well the days of playing russian roulette with your wine selection are over wink is a revolutionary new wine club that takes the guesswork out of choosing your wine they have a simple six-question palette quiz that will match you with delicious, high-quality wine you are guaranteed to love. 
Right now, Wink is offering listeners $22 off of your first order when you go to trywink.com slash RHR, and it gets even better. I know you all hate paying for shipping, so Wink will actually pay for your shipping on orders of four bottles or more only at trywink.com slash RHR. So four bottles, Wink is going to take care of your shipping for you. That's trywink.com slash RHR, T-R-Y. W-I-N-C dot com slash R-H-R. Start drinking personalized wine selections today. All right, we're back. We're going to start things off with this week in MMA. First thing we're going to take a look at is the bantamweight title fight between Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw was officially officially announced to go down at UFC 213. Um, They're going to be, well, they have been coaching opposite each other on the 25th season of The Ultimate Fighter. And they're finally going to get to clash after this whole Team Alpha Male drama and the crap talk back and forth between both sides. Um, what do you guys think about this this fight being put on 213? It's the co-main event, though, isn't it? They've booked it as a co-main. So that makes me think that Cormier Jones is going to be tried to be put in for that main event. Because they made it very, very clear that this is only the co-main event for that, didn't they? It is the co-main, but I thought that, like we say, Dana was against putting Jones as the title as the headline. Yeah. So maybe, what about the Bisping GSP fight? Does that fit the date or not? Well, I'm not too sure. I don't think that's ready in time. So I was quite surprised that it was booked. You know, like they made it really, really clear that it was the co-main. You know, they could have just announced it, and it would have given them a little bit more um, flexibility. But they was they was adamant that this was the co-main event, which I was a little bit surprised by. But we'll see. Um, Unbelievable fight, though. This is the fight after Khabib and Tony. This was the fight of the year for me. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. And I'm actually going to tune in every week for the Tough Series as well because I think it's going to be pure entertainment. Um, and I'm Team Snake all the way. Team Snake. <laughs> I'm Team Snake, mate. I'm on TJ's side. I think Faber came out, didn't he, and said that he reckons Cody will probably knock TJ out. But Yeah, yeah, well, he's going to say that. He's going to so. say that, absolutely, yeah. But no, it should be good, mate. That's an amazing fight, and I, I, I expect it to be a very entertaining series. Um, also, for the 135 division, um, Marlon Moraes has got his UFC debut against Rafael Asansal at UFC 212. Um, anyone who doesn't know Marlon, he's come over from WSOF, he trains out of Mark Henry's camp with Edgar, Barbosa, uh, Eddie Alvarez, and Mark Henry uh, cannot speak highly enough of this guy. He's an amazing fighter, and he's going to be a ridiculous addition to the 135 division. This guy is a finisher, amazing striker, all-round fighter. I cannot wait to see him fight, and he'll be fighting in Brazil against Rafael Asansal, so that's going to be a great scrap. Um, also, another fight, Holly Holm and Betch Kohaya. This is a weird one for me been put as the main event in Singapore. I thought RDA was going to be the main event. Now we've got Betch Kohaya and Holly Holm in the main event in Singapore. I was a bit surprised Holly Holm moving back down to 135. What do you think? That's crazy. Uh, mm. Holly, you know, Ronda knocked out Betch in one round. Holly knocked out Ronda in two rounds. I know MMA math never works, but I think this is the exception. I, this is a uh, this is a pretty big matchup for Betch, and I think it's a, a really big step up in competition for her. Um, yeah, th- this is crazy, especially uh, it, it being the headliner. Uh, that also took me by surprise, but um, 
you know, Holly's a pretty big star after beating Ronda, so I guess they wanted a little bit of star power in the on that card, and they got it. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how uh, how Betch does in there against Holly. But uh, if I had to make a prediction right now, I don't think it goes too well for her. Um, I think this is a little too big of a step up in competition for her at this point. But yeah, I was definitely surprised when I heard this matchup. So I'm, I'm assuming Safadine and Dos Anjos is the co-main now, then, I'm guessing. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird one, that, mate. Really weird. A bit of a weird matchup. Another thing that I find strange is it looks like that um, that 145 division is literally just a belt <laughs> and no division. Yeah. Like, no, you know, there's no fights going on in it. There's no sort of number one contenders as such. It's just a belt at present, which Durandami holds. And, you know, I think the Cyborg fight's coming at some point, but... It's just strange to me that they've got this. They've opened this division, but there's no actual, there's no one in it. They've just, you know, no. they've just got this belt. So it's like it's, it looks to me like everyone's gonna, you know, it's weird because I don't know. If maybe, maybe Holly couldn't get a fight. Maybe no one else wanted to fight at 145. But she's a big girl, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it didn't go her way that night, but you got you got to imagine the weight cuts a hell of a lot nicer to 145 than 135. So you know, maybe it's maybe it's Betch. I don't I don't know. Maybe she, maybe there's no one else that wants to fight there, but. It's just strange to me that they've opened this division and we're not seeing more girls. I think they're going to carry on fighting at 125, 135 and then move up if they not get anywhere for a shot of the belt at 145 and back down they go. So it's a weird one, but we'll see. We'll see what happens after this. Um, but yeah, I fully expect home to take the victory, but we'll uh, we'll get into that nearer the time. Yeah, well, you've got to remember Holly Holm is, 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 is not won since the Ronda fight, so she needs, she needs a win big time. Yeah, nobody's really clamoring to fight Jermaine. I mean, uh, no disrespect to her, but she's not really... If you beat Jermaine, other than the fact that she has the title, it's not really that big of a win on your resume. Now, once Cyborg, uh, which I'm guessing she will, becomes the champion of that division, I think that's when you're going to see it open up a lot more. You're going to see girls calling for that fight, um, you know, trying to trying to win. I think you're going to get that fight between Cyborg and Holly Holm. Eventually, I think you're going to see Cyborg fight, uh, you know, someone like Kat Zingano or someone like that. Uh, those are, you know, those are fights right off the bat that I think once Cyborg gets that belt, we're going to start seeing a lot more, you know, better uh, fights for her and, and bigger competition for Cyborg. So uh, I think once Cyborg, you know, gets on top of that 145 division, I think it's really going to start to open up. Yeah, and you've got to kind of think that Holly Holm is one of the biggest stars in the UFC. You know, since she knocked out um, Ronda, she'd become a bit of a, a mainstream star. And if the UFC are going to Singapore, maybe Holly Holm was the biggest name that they could put on the headline up because, you know, I know people in Singapore knew Ronda Rousey was because everyone knew Ronda Rousey was and, and she's the girl who knocked her out. So maybe that's the way they're going with it and maybe they didn't have anyone else to maybe bring in a little bit of star power to that event. But yeah, as we move on, we got your boy Luke Rockhold Jack claiming that he needs a he thinks an interim title is um, is due to take place, mate, because of the whole Bisping GSP fiasco. What do you think about that? Dana White shot it down pretty quickly. Give it, give him a shot, mate. That's what I say. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. He's just. Um, I think he's gone a bit. It's been a bit quiet. You know, he's been injured, and a lot's gone on in that division. So. He probably needs to make himself relevant again, if I'm honest. I mean, we, we all know he's a top, top guy, but you look at what's happened since he's been away. Um, you know, even with the controversy this weekend, Bisbin, Yoel, GSP, 
Alisson Silva. So, I mean, you know, he kind of, you kind of forget a bit about Luke Rockhold, even though he is one of the top three guys in the weight class. So, I don't know, man. I don't think there's too much to it. I don't think he ever thought that an interim belt would actually be... Well, you say that. They were throwing him around for a little bit, but um, yeah. it's gone quiet on that front. But no, I think it was just all talk, mate, and just trying to make himself a bit more relevant again in the division. Yeah, this was actually one of the very... I mean, I'm not the biggest Rockhold fan, but uh, I this is one of the very few times I actually agreed with him. Um, you know, the UFC likes to throw around these interim belts like like they're nothing and uh you know i you've seen already one try to take place in uh lightweight when connor won the bell i think when they announced that fight or something like that connor had only been the champ for about three months or something and uh then you know you've seen it quite a few times at featherweight you've seen it at at a light heavyweight when dc pulled out and jones fought over in st prue trying to think of a other time i think the last time that we've had a heavyweight interim champ was fabricio were and mark hunt uh but yeah you see them tossing the interim titles around uh a lot lately and i think in this case it makes a lot more sense you're essentially putting the whole division on pause for uh, a guy who's been out of the sport for what three four years and wants to come back to a completely new, uh, new different you know weight class obviously they're going to give him the fight because of his name power his draw ability and all that but um you know guys like yo romero jacare uh luke who you know just you know lost the title you're you're putting a lot of their you're putting all their careers on hold for this fight so while i understand why they are making the fight I do think this is the one case where an interim title should be implicated because I think the rightful contender should be next, uh, next in line. Um, you know, Bisping, as much as I like him, his last his his last two title defenses, and I say two because I'm I'm counting the GSP fight, which is pending. He fought Dan Henderson, who was ranked 14th at the time, when he really should have fought someone like Rockhold in a rematch, uh, Weidman, uh, Yoel Romero. Uh, so I, I think that was a bit of a waste, um, and then he fought—he's gonna fight GSP, who again, completely different weight class, has never fought a middleweight before, and has been away for a couple years. So uh, I do think in this instance, a, an interim title fight is justified just to give the rightful, you know, ranked fighter a guaranteed shot at the title after this fight. Yeah, well, I'm I'm I'm, I'm on the same boat. I completely agree because um, if you are making Bisping GSP. Um, a lot of people will favour GSP in that fight. So, you know, I think Rocco's probably thinking ahead. Um, and I think I've heard a lot of middleweight say that if he wins, he's not going to stick around. So there needs to be an interim title there ready for when he wins it. I think that's the way they're thinking about it. Because say he does win it and leaves, then they've got to have someone fight for the vacant title anyway. So they might as well be someone who's fighting for an interim title. So Yael Romero and uh, Rocco might as well fight for that interim title or at least fight for that, um, for the vacant title, you know, if, if, if GSP, if GSP does beat Bisping and leaves the division, because that, that, that division is going to be a mess. And it was kind of a mess because do you remember when Dan Henderson said he was going to retire, win or lose, you know, if Dan Henderson, we had the same situation, if Dan Henderson would have won that fight, he would have left the division in, in, in disarray and GSP could do the same thing if he beats Bisping. And Dan Henderson wasn't far off of doing that. So I think that's the way that Luke Rockhold's thinking. And I wouldn't mind seeing him match up with Yael Romero, to be honest. I think that's a great fight. 
Um, we're going to end this week in MMA there, and we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to get on to UFC Fox Breakdown. Subscribe and download the Right Hook Radio podcast for free on iTunes and SoundCloud. Both apps are available on all smartphones. Also, check out our YouTube channel, Right Hook Radio, for video content. Please give us a thumbs up on our YouTube videos and a five-star rating on iTunes. All right, it's time to break down this weekend. Well, really tomorrow since we're recording so late in the week. Um, we'll probably get this episode out sometime today on Friday, April the 15th, but uh, excuse me, the 14th. Tomorrow's event, UFC on Fox, uh, headlined by John, uh, Demetrius Johnson versus Wilson Hayes for the flyweight title. Um, we're going to be breaking down that card. The first fight uh, that we're actually going to be breaking down is a flyweight fight between Tim Elliott and Louis Smolka. And I actually got to speak to Louis Smolka earlier this week uh, before the fight. So I'm going to play that interview and then we'll be back after that. All right, I'm here with number 12 ranked UFC flyweight Louis Smolka. Louis, how are you today? Good, John. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm doing pretty good. We got some rain over here in Texas, but other than that, uh, it's it's been a pretty good day. Uh, I'm sure it's a nice, bright and sunny day over there in Hawaii, huh? Oh, I'm in Kansas already, bro. Oh, wow. You've already made the trip over. Yeah, it's freezing balls out here, dude. It's like 44 <laughs> degrees, man. I was like, what is this? It's April. This can't be a thing. What the fuck? <laughs> a, bit of a, a bit of an adjustment, to say the least. Bro, I'm tripping over here. This isn't this isn't supposed to be a thing, man. I'm used to sunny beaches and stuff. Yeah. Well, you're in Kansas. You have a pretty big matchup against Tim Elliott uh, coming up this weekend. I that don't is... freeze to death first. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Tim's actually coming off of a, a title uh, a title fight loss to Demetrius Johnson. Uh, you, I'm guessing you have already taken a look at that fight. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I, I watched that um, when it was happening and stuff, uh, I, I, I paid attention to it. Uh, so how do you feel you match up with Tim, uh, just, you know, based off of what you've seen from his style so far? Um, I feel like we're kind of similar fighters, scrambly, like to um, get after it, we're pretty wild. So um, I feel like it's a really good matchup. It's fun, I'm like excited for it kind of scared at the same time because it's a crazy fight but i'm like kind of excited for it too because i feel like it's going to turn out to be pretty awesome yeah and he has a he, he's had a bit of a resurgence sort of uh he left the ufc went on a nice win streak uh, i believe he won a title in another organization came back won the ultimate fighter he had a, a decent showing against demetrius gave him a, a few problems in the first round but demetrius is demetrius he figured him out in the in the last few uh, rounds of the fight and it was pretty much over from then but uh what do you think about his resurgence since leaving the ufc and how much he's improved since his original run with the with the promotion what was that um it's kind of hard to say because I haven't, like, I don't know. He's, he seems to have done well um, since leaving the UFC. I guess it's just, it, it's boosted his confidence, you know, helped him get some wins and helped him to kind of enter his prime, you know, on, on like a win streak and being, being confident. And what were your thoughts on his fight with, uh, with Johnson in particular? Oh, I thought it was a good fight. I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, he, he did well. He went after it attacked from wherever he could do whatever he could to get the to try to get the finish i thought he did well did, were you at any point in time thinking because I, I believe in the first round he gave him a bit of a scare with the with a choke did you at any point a, yeah you ever think that he was probably going to pull it off Dars. um the drc <laughs> honestly 
No, or I don't know. It was it was kind of hard to believe. Like it's hard to believe anybody's gonna like tap Demetrius. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like even when it actually happens, we're all probably still gonna be like, "What bullshit?" You know? <laughs> but um, like yeah, like I I don't know. I, I had a hard time believing what I was watching. Like I was really impressed by it. Like it was kind of hard to make Russell, like yeah, to know what to Russell make of it in real time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So at this point in your career, you're currently on your I believe it is your your first two fight back to back uh, back to back losses. How do you how, what have you changed since then if anything after this point, you know, going through this point in your career? Just um I'm working on my nutrition a bit more. Uh, my boy Devin, he's out here with me. He's helping me cook, you know, keep my weight on point. Um just just trying to stay focused, stay confident, just try to get these wins, you know. Um, I, I don't really want to overcorrect too much and start just going, oh, yeah, let's revamp the camp. Let's fucking do this different, do that different. I don't think that's going to necessarily work to my advantage. I just kind of, you know, tried to um, to just to, to work hard, take things, like, a little bit more seriously. Like, I honestly have to, like, deal with some discipline issues, but that's about it. <laughs> Uh, so you got guys like you, Max Holloway, and now BJ Penn, who's back fighting again, put really putting Hawaiian MMA on the map uh, again. You know, prior to when BJ had his run with the company, you know, what is what is your view on MMA in Hawaii right now? What, what what's what's the what's the feel like over there in the MMA scene? Oh, um, MMA is huge in Hawaii. It's been huge for like years. I mean. We had some of the best guys in the world fighting in, like, 2006 or something. Like, Hoi has, like, a really, really rich MMA and, like, combat sports history. So it, it's big. It's kind of always been big in Hoi. And you got uh, Max Holloway, who's going to challenge Jose Aldo, try and unify those titles. Uh, what are your thoughts on that that matchup in particular, and how do you see it going? Dude, that's crazy that Max is fighting Aldo. It's like... I, I watched Aldo, like, in the WEC when I was, like, in high school growing up trying to, like, be a UFC fighter and stuff. And now my dude Max is going to fight him. That's, like, that's a crazy reality check to me. It's it's, it's pretty it's pretty interesting, honestly. And, uh, obviously, you got faith in your guy. Do you, do you see Max getting the finish? Uh, yeah, I think Max should finish him. Max should beat him, I'm, I'm fairly certain. Like you alluded to earlier, Hawaii has a rich history in mixed martial arts. What what got you started in it? How did you get introduced to the sport? And also, how did you get your nickname? Um, well, when I was younger, like I always liked fighting. Um, I wanted to be a WWE wrestler until like I found out it was fake. Like when I thought it was real, I wanted to I wanted to be like a wrestler. But um, yeah, like I don't know. I just got older and. I, I like everybody always talked about going to the fights and stuff, but I was kind of sheltered, so I was never allowed to go. So I never really found out really what MMA was until I was like 13 or 14, and I was watching the second season of The Ultimate Fighter, and it was the finale, and there was like the first season and the second season just running back to back, and it was like a marathon on Spike, and that's like when I first started watching MMA, and I was just into it, and I was kind of a smaller guy, so... I got picked on a little bit, and I got to watch Rashad Evans, like, who was, um, like, really, really undersized against Brad Imes, and he just beat the crap out of Brad Imes, so I, at that point, I kind of wanted to, I was like, oh, I gotta learn this, 
And it's just ever since then, I've pretty much geared every decision like I've made into becoming a, a champion, one of the best in the world at fighting. And how did you get about having your nickname? It's probably one of the coolest nicknames out there, the, the Last Samurai. Um, my mom is from Japan. And so, like, I don't know, I, I want to say she, like, instilled some of those values in me when I was younger. Like, well, you always have to be honest and, like, do, like, the honorable thing and all that. And, um, but one of the bigger things was that when I first started, like, fighting, I fought guys I really shouldn't have been fighting. Like, my third fight was against this guy named Alvin Kakdak. Um, he he was, like, 12-9 and nine, WEC Strike Force veteran. Like, the guys who he had lost who had gone on to the UFC. And that was, like, my third fight. My second fight, I went up, like, two weight classes or three weight classes. I fought at, like, 155. And, like, I weighed in at, like, 149 with jeans on and stuff. And, like, so I went up, like, two, two or three weight classes on two days' notice um and i fought that dude and i was beating him up and then he and like he almost knocked me out though with like a lucky punch and then um like dropped me and like looked like he was gonna finish me but then somehow i managed to like grit it out and tap him out in like like a minute later with a darce and like i just had like this knack for getting into these wars and like just having like this never say die attitude and it ended up like carrying me through and like it ended up like saving me a bunch of times just like just going kind of like going out on my shield and yeah. so it just yeah one of my coaches gave me that the nickname that's awesome and and like we mentioned before bj penn you know is is the biggest name to come out of hawaii in mma and he's obviously one of the biggest names to ever be in the ufc how big of an influence was his career and you know watching him growing up uh to you now in your mma career dude bj is the shit man like <laughs> I, I i actually trained at his gym for a little bit like i've met him a bunch of times and like i still can't like talk straight to him i'm like a little fan girl <laughs> Like like I get like like I get tongue tied and stuff. I'm like oh hi BJ oh uh, 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 uh. I'm just like oh shut up already you fucking look like a retard just stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so how do you feel about him coming back and, and fighting now? That first fight against Yair Rodriguez is a pretty tough one to watch for for BJ fans, and now he's gonna come back against Dennis Seaver. What are your thoughts on this whole comeback from him? Do you think it's time for him to probably just walk away or? Are you a fan of him, you know, getting back in there and, and maybe going for another run? I'll be a fan of his until until I retire, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't care what he does. I'm always going to be a fan. And then uh, we, we mentioned your, your fight on the card this weekend, but the main event of that is going to be the champion of your division. He's going to be defending his title against Wilson Hayes. How do you feel about that fight and what is your prediction for that fight? Uh, probably Wilson Hayes will probably try to take him down. I want to say his jits is pretty good. Um, and I think, I think Demetrius will probably cruise to a decision though. Oh but I want to see. I want to say Wilson will probably try to take him down. And do you think Hayes? I mean, given just how you know, Demetrius is pretty much cleaned house in this division, and. Uh, Right, right, so so good. Good. Oh, I'm sorry. It's like really loud. I can. Yeah, a oh bunch gosh, of guys just walked in. I'm doing an interview. <laughs> <laughs> come in screaming, Russell. That was Russell Doan. He likes to just come in screaming. <laughs> That's fine. 
Um, but given just how dominant DJ's been in this division, uh, and you know, the, it's really thin in ch- title challengers at the moment. But this gives an opportunity for the guys ranked towards maybe a little bit lower to get an opportunity to jump in there. Uh, do you think Wilson is deserving of this title shot? And how far away do you think you are? How many more wins do you think you need to get okay. into that picture? Um, I need a few wins at least. And I, I, I think Wilson is Wilson is bad, dude. He's won major titles at what, like 145, I think? he Or like, like in Bellator or something? He was like a 45er. So, like, I mean, he, he's deserving. He definitely has the pedigree to, to make this competitive. Um, but Demetrius is Demetrius, you know what I mean? Like, he just makes really good fighters not look that good just because he's the man, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, aside from fighting, what what do you enjoy doing, you know, away from mixed martial arts when you're not training, when you're not preparing for a fight? What do you enjoy doing to pass the time? Uh, I play I play UFC um, online. I play, I play the EA Sports UFC 2 video game. <laughs> is that on what, Xbox, PlayStation? Uh, Xbox. Um, I play some PlayStation too, but primarily on Xbox. Okay, so that's um, something you and uh, Mighty Mouse have in common. Do you have a Twitch account or anything like that, or have you ever given that any thought? Yeah, I have a Twitch account, but no one really I'm seems to care sad. about me. I'm not that cool, <laughs> so I kind of gave up on it. Hey, man, I'm pretty good at uh, on the sticks myself, and I, I, oh, I, really? I, you I want enjoy... These, you, you want these hands, bro? You hey, want these hands? Hey, man, whenever you want, me and you could jump on Xbox One, and we can see who... Uh, you know who's better at the game, but I'm I'm pretty good. I gotta warn you. All right, let's go. What are you ranked? What's your division? <laughs> oh man, I fight. What's your division? I fight every. Oh, like uh, on on versus, I'm on like I think it's six or seven. I can't remember. Oh yeah, I'm D six. Okay, okay, yeah, I'm up there, man. I'm up there. Yeah, you're a try hard if you're better than me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Luis, this has been a really fun interview. Uh, I, I really wish you the best this weekend. I'm really looking forward to the fight. It really is one of the uh, – th- th- this looks to be one of the most exciting fights on the card. And I believe you guys are opening the uh, prelims on Fox. Is that correct? Yeah, we're open. We're the first fight on Fox Sports 1. Yeah, so definitely, uh, everyone, keep your eye out for that. This has been Louis Smoka. He will be taking on Tim Elliott April 15th this weekend at the Sprint Center in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, Louis, thank you for your time. All right, that was the interview with Louis Smolka, and uh, now let's let's break down this uh, this fight. So, Scott, how do you see this one going now? Well, I've got two favorite fights on this card. One of them is this one. The second one is a strawweight title, uh, not title fight, strawweight fight between Watson and um, Rose. This one is going to be an amazing fight. This one is going to be back and forth. We all saw Tim Elliott's fight with Demetrius. How good he looked. Um, I didn't expect him to be fighting again at flyweight. I thought he was going to move up. I said I thought he said the cut was a bit too much for him. Um, he hasn't actually won in the UFC for a long time now. I mean, he took a break after a couple of losses, and then he come back on the tough season. And obviously, he lost to Johnson. So I think he's about I think he's zero and four in his last UFC fights. So he hasn't won in the UFC for a long time. But what he showed me in the Demetrius fight was unbelievably awkward grappling. His stand-up is pretty, you know, he kind of Dominic Cruz-esque. He's got that unpredictability about him. And Smoker, he's lost his last two. He, he got defeated by Ray Borg. Um, Borg missed weight in that fight. And I think Smoker uh, suffered with a bit of a, a bad cut, a weight cut. But Borg kind of dominated him on the ground. Um, we've all seen what Ray Borg's done after that as well. He's done it in his last fight again. Um, and Smoker also lost to uh, Brandon Moreno. 
uh, on a bit of a not fluke, but a bit of a, a bit of an upset. Uh, he got caught in a guillotine, so um, it's going to be interesting to see if this fight plays out on the feet or on the floor. I see a lot of scrambles. Um, Elliot's quite long. He's big for the weight class, so he's smoker. So it'll be interesting to see who gets the advantage on the feet. I think if it goes to the ground, I see Elliot probably having an advantage just because of what I see in the Demetrius fight. You know, he nearly caught Demetrius in a submission. Very, very close with that. Was unlucky. Um, I know you said earlier, John, um, off camera that he, he suffers a little bit with the with the cardio maybe towards the end of the fight. But I see him taking over at the end of the fight. I see him kind of not breaking Smoker, but, you know, dominating on the ground to that point where Smoker makes a, uh, a mistake and, and, and opens up for a submission. And I see Tim Elliott getting a round three submission. Yeah, um, Elliot, I, I will give the advantage to on the ground for one, just because of his sheer size. Man, he's a big, big flyweight, and uh, and he has you know great grappling on the ground as well. But Smolka's also a very good grappler. Uh, he he has a few submission wins under his belt, so uh, I think it could get interesting if it gets to the ground. But I would give the advantage to Elliot, and on the feet, I'd give the advantage to Smolka. Um, Elliot is a very you know awkward. He has a very awkward kind of style, very awkward striking style, but I just like uh, Smolka's stand-up, and and uh, I think this is actually going to be a very good fight. I think it's going to be a lot of back and forth, um, and I think it's going to be very close. So I think that this is going to be a split decision win, and I think it's going to be for uh, for Smolka. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to this one. Um, I mean, Smolka's last fight against Ray Borg. I mean, Ray Borg looked like a beast that night. Um, you can't take too much away from Smolka for that. I think um, Ray handled him pretty easily, but, you know, the guy's legit. And then he, he's coming off that submission loss as well. So, I don't know, man. Tim Elliott, you, what can you say? I mean, the fight with DJ was was really impressive. He didn't get the victory, um, but he, he took it to him, man. He took it to Mighty Mouse. And, and, you know, Mighty Mouse is, you know, most of the fights do go to a decision, but Mighty Mouse wins the most most of the rounds convincingly, um, and Tim Elliott, he never had him in trouble, but he, he held his own for a few of those rounds, and he, and he really brought it to Mighty Mouse. So um, I can only assume he's going to come in like that again, aggressive. He's a big dude, like John just said. Smoker's a very very tall guy as well, but um, this fight's going to look more like a welterweight fight than it is a flyweight. I tell you, the size of these mm-hmm. two, but um, just from the previous performance, Smoker kind of got handled by Ray Borg and just the way Tim Elliott brought it to Mighty Mouse, I'm going to pick Tim Elliott and my official pick will be Elliott via unanimous decision. Split on that pick. We're going to the head prelim fight, which is um, Volkov versus Roy Nelson, two heavyweight hitters. We all know what Roy Nelson's all about. Volkov is only one and uh, zero in the UFC. He does have a 67% KO ratio. Um, this could be this could go over with the first hit. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. What do you think is going to happen, John? I mean, heavyweight fights are the hardest fights to predict, just because anyone can get knocked out at any any second. These guys are so fucking strong and will knock your lights out with one touch. But uh, yeah, like you said, these are both two heavy heavy hitters, especially for heavyweight. Uh, we've only got to see one glimpse of Volkov in the UFC and I think that was a split decision win over I want to say Anthony Hamilton 
Uh, I'm not sure if that's right or not, but uh, that's the name that comes to my mind. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go with Roy just because I, I've, I've seen him more veteran experience in the UFC. He has some of the craziest knockout power of all time. So I think this is going to be a pretty quick fight, and I think it's going to be uh, – I'm going to go Roy Nelson, first-round knockout. Yeah, I don't know too much about this Volkov. I know he fought on that um, island card that Musashi and Jiraiya Hall's rematch was on. Um, yeah. And yeah, like, like John said, went to a split decision. So um, when you fight in big country, man, it's it's hard. Like John said, all these heavyweights hit like freight trains, but then the big country's power is just, it's just crazy, crazy. Um, I am going to pick a second round just because I think well, I don't even know why. I mean, like you said, the first, it could easily finish in the first. But I've just, I just for some reason got an inkling that this fight will get out the first round, and then uh, once Nelson's felt, you know, found his feet and felt the cage a little bit, he's going to uh, unleash hell on Volkov in round number two. So, uh, Roy Nelson KO round two. Yeah, I'm also going for Roy Nelson to get the win. Um, he's got four KO of the night bonuses. Um, he tends to win by KO or maybe lose a decision. Um, he's got an absolutely legendary chin. Uh, Mark Hunt's the only one to stop him in the UFC, and we know what Mark Hunt's all about. So I'm going to give Nelson the advantage just because I know what he's capable of and just because he usually beats someone who is not expected to beat him. You know, if he's expected to win Roy Nelson, he usually does. Um, and I'm going to give him the second round TKO, KO. Um, I'm a bit surprised, really, because Volkov's ranked number 11 in the heavyweight division and Roy Nelson isn't ranked at all, which I found a little bit strange. Um, but I'm going to go with Roy Nelson, round two, TKO. And now we're going to move on to the main card. There's four fights on the main card, seeing as it's a Fox card. And we've got Jeremy Stevens versus, I'm probably going to butcher his name, Renato Moicano. How do you see this one going? Uh, well, Renato, from what I've what I've seen, uh, two fights in the UFC, one submission, one split decision. Uh, he five of his ten career wins are by submission, so this could get interesting if it goes to the ground. But I don't see Stevens uh, allowing this to get to the ground. Stevens is one of the hardest hitting featherweights in the division. You can make the case for the hardest hitting in the division. Um, so I I think this is gonna go his way, man. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say he gets the finish. I'll say that he uh, he'll get a second round knockout on this one. But that's just really because I haven't seen too too much of uh, Renato. But uh, experience factor, that knockout power. It seems like he likes to you know Renato likes to take the fight to the ground a lot, um, and that's pretty much where he shines. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I don't think that Stevens is gonna allow that to happen. I think he'll keep it standing, and I think he'll get the knockout in the second. Yeah, I don't. Again, I don't know too much about Renato either. I think. Um, I think it's a big step up for him. A really, really big step up. Stevens is no joke. Um, you know, he's fought some of the best guys in that division. I think um, Renato does like to take it to the ground, and in this fight, he'll really want to take it to the ground because he won't—he doesn't want to stand there and bang with Jeremy. I wouldn't have thought. Um, Stevens is looking to come off that uh, decision loss to Frankie, um, where he didn't have much luck at the UFC 200 last year. Um, so, yeah, man, I think I think I can I can see Renato maybe taking it to the ground for the first few rounds, frustrating Stevens a little bit, um, and 
I do expect Stevens to land at some point. And when he does, when he lands flush, I expect that to be the end. Um, my pick's going to be Stevens round three TKO. Um, for what I just said, I think Renato might take him down a couple of times in round one and two, frustrate him. And then Stevens will come out with a big bomb in round three. Nice pick. I'm going to have to agree with you on this one as well, boys. I've got Jeremy Stevens by KO. He's ranked five in the featherweight division. Um, uh, Renato unranked. Like uh, Jack said, his last fight was against Frankie Edgar. He did catch Frankie in that fight, but typical Frankie Edgar took it, it, got back up and won the decision. So he was a little bit unlucky there. And Stevens has got like a 68% KO ratio, like massive, massive KO ratio. He's got three KOs of the night. You know, he's got some legendary KOs over RDA, the Bermudas one at UFC 189. And let me tell you a stat here, mate. This is Jeremy Stevens' 25th UFC fight. That is a fucking veteran, mate. He has been around a long, long time, and I think his experience will win him in this fight. I think he's gonna, his wrestling is going to be on the defensive to keep it standing, and I see a highlight real KO for Jeremy Stevens. Um, I'm going to go for round two KO. Um, Renato could come in and shock me. He has got, you know, 50% of his wins are by submission and the other 50% are by decision. So he does not want to stand up with Jeremy Stevens. Um, the thing about Renato is he hasn't fought since UFC 198. You know, that's going to be nearly a year ago by the time he steps in the cage. So he might be a bit rusty. His takedowns might not be sharp and that could cost him dearly. I've got Stevens highlight real KO in the second round. Now, we've got a middleweight fight that could be, you know, the winner of this fight could even leap Yael Romero and Luke Rockhold, like we were talking about earlier. We've got Jacare Souza, the man who might never be champion. That's what we might call him in the end. And Whitaker, Robert Whitaker from New Zealand, fighting it out, mate. How you boys got it? This is a great fight. I love this matchup uh, just because both guys are so good in their respective areas. You got Jacare, who's a beast on the ground, and you got Whitaker, who's awesome on, um, you know, in stand-up. So I I really this one this has been the hardest one for me to predict and I you know my pick is going to be a complete toss up if it goes to the ground I think it's over if uh, and Jacare is going to take it if it keeps if Robert is able to keep it standing I think he can cruise to a decision maybe uh, get a knockout um, but I think I think uh, Sauza is is going to be able to take this to the ground and submit him in the first round uh, that's going to be my prediction I think I think I think Ronaldo's just on too hot of a streak right now man I think it's going to be hard to stop him I think he's really determined to to force his him uh, his way into the title picture so uh yeah I'm gonna go with Jacare uh first round submission I love this fight man um it's a, cl- it's a clash of styles really it really is it's um you know, Jack Array, who's one of the best in the world on the floor against Whitaker, who's got these fast hands and, and crazy power. So, um, yeah, it's a toss-up. I think I think um, Robert Whitaker is coming off a six or seven fight win streak or something at the moment. He's on a tear, I know that. And I'm pretty sure the last time he lost was um, Wonderboy. And mm-hmm. that, dude just, that dude just went ten rounds with the champ. So... You know, he's um, he's no joke. He's beaten Brad Tavares in there, Uriah Hall, Brunson. Um, I think it, it's going to be a really dangerous first five minutes for Jackeray. I really think that Whitaker's going to know that at some point in that fight, he's going to go to the ground. Um, 
and Jack Ray is going to have a very, very, very big chance of submitting him. So I think he'll look to get it done early, and I think he'll come out flying a bit like the um, Derek Brunson fight. That was wild. I mean, both guys were throwing wildly in that first five minutes. I don't expect Jack Ray to stand there and trade with uh, with Whitaker, but I do think that Whitaker will come flying out the blocks. So I think if Jack Ray can get through the first round, maybe tire Whitaker out in those first five minutes, he will. Um, He'll have a huge advantage. And yeah, my pick is going to be uh, Jacare Souza, round two submission. I think he gets it down and he subs in. Yeah, yeah. It has been the result that has been uh, happening over and over again for Jacare. You know, as soon as he gets people to the ground, he's mauling them. Um, his ground game is, you know, next to legendary. It's, him and Damian Meyer are just on a completely different level for other people in, in the UFC. Um, Jack Ray is 37 years old so you know he the, what I described him as the champ that will never be is because I can see him getting screwed out of title shots just because you know he doesn't speak English um, he's not well known and, 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 and you know just the whole GSP uh, fiasco what that's proved you know they will put in people that are not deserving of a title shot over him you know he, he's, he used to be the strike force champion he he lost that to Luke Rockhold in a in a very 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 close fight, a five round decision, and since then he has gone ten and one. Two of them fights being in strike force, and eight of them being in the um, nine of them being in the UFC. Um, so he's won eight out of nine in the UFC. That one loss coming to Yael Romero, which a lot of people thought Jack Ray won that as well. So seven of his eight wins have been by stoppage, and this, and he's got seven wins since that Rockhold fight ending in the first round. So, you know, this this submission in the first round. Or TKO, he's got power in his hands as well. His stri- striking has greatly improved. He knocked out Yushinakami. He's got a knockout win over Derek Brunson in strike force in the first round. So he has got power. He's just a bit more bulkier than Whitaker and he's not as quick. I think Whitaker's got a little bit a little bit of the lighter, quicker hands. Um, Whitaker has fought at 170. That's actually where his only losses in the UFC have come from at 170. Um, I think the cut was a little bit too much for him. He didn't take the shot too well from Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, but you know, very early on in his career, he's, he's not nowhere near accomplished as Wonderboy is on the feet. So you can you can give him that. But since then, he's 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 won. I think it's six straight at middleweight. Um, he's got a few uh, first round finishes in his last four fights, which end up being performance of the night. That crazy fight with Derek Brunson um, late last year. He's only 26 years old. You know, he's got the youth on his side. And like Jack said, I think he's going to come out and try and win this fight early because anyone fighting Jack Ray knows that if you want to try and take him to a decision, that means you have to avoid the takedown for the whole fight. And if that takedown happens, then you are in big trouble. I don't care who you are. You know, Jack Ray submitted Gegard. Um, you know, and we see how good Gegard's defensive wrestling and submission defense was on Saturday. So anyone who goes to the ground with Jack Ray is going to have problems. So, my it, putting myself in Whitaker's corner or in Whitaker's head, I would be looking to try and get this done early. When because both men are uber uber aggressive, you know, Jacare pushes for the takedown or the knockout straight away, and Whitaker, we've seen what he done, you know, back and forth fight with Brunson in the first round. So I'm very torn, um, but I picked against Jacare last time when he fought Tim Boach because I thought there was a chance for a knockout, and I've just got this feeling that Jacare is going to be that person that should have got a championship title fight was beating everyone. And then he, you know, and then the chance was going to be there and he ends up losing someone that you didn't think he might to. 
and he's never ever going to get that title shot. So I think I'm going to have to go with Robert Wicker with the upset on a round one TKO, and he shocks the world. Robert Wicker, mate, shocks the world. I'm going to go for a round one TKO. Wow. Nice yeah. pick. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to move on to the next fight. For me, this is the people's main event. I don't know about for anyone else. This is a fantastic fight in the strawweight division. We've got Rose Namajunas versus Michelle Walterson. Now, this is a very, very even fight. Very hard to break down. Very hard to predict how you boys got it. Both girls have great ground games. Uh, you know, they both do great work on the ground. Standing up, again, they're both great, but I'd have to give the edge to Michelle. She's called the Karate Hottie for a reason. Um, you know, she she has great stand-up, but you haven't seen that lately because she's been choking girls out. So I think this this is going to give her a really great opportunity to shine in her stand-up game. She's an extremely well-rounded fighter, um, and I think she's really going to showcase that in this fight. Um, Rose... She she hasn't looked great lately. I, I believe her. What was her last fight? Was her last fight against Carolina? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was it was a great fight. Um, I actually scored. I think that was a split decision. Uh, uh-huh. for for Carolina, I actually scored that one for Rose. Um, in that fight initially, but it, it's tough. The the the, the strawweight division is really stacking up, and there's so many great talent in that division right now. So uh, going forward, I think we're going to see some really good fights. I mean, I think we we already have Carolina versus Claudia or something like that booked at the moment. But uh, you're going to see some great fights going forward in this division. This is really a pairing of two of the best that the division has to offer. And uh, I think that's why Scott said he, he believes it's the people's main event. So for me, I'm just going to say that I think Michelle's the, the better well-rounded fighter at this point and i think she's gonna get the job done i think she will uh i think she'll get the submission i think she'll get the submission in the second round yeah i'm looking forward to this one too man um the karate hotties also a friend of the podcast we've had her on before um yeah she's uh she's a beast man and she's fighting rose yeah who's tough as tough as nails i mean uh, Watson's coming off. She handled Paige Van Zandt, didn't she, early? First round submission, I think. And then Rose obviously had that fight with Van Zandt as well, where she beat the brakes off her and bloodied her up. Um, Rose had a few more fights since then. <sighs> Watson's so experienced, you know, in Invicta previously. She's 2-0 and in the UFC. So, I don't know, man. It's going to be a real... It's, it's, it's another one, like Jacare and Whitaker. It's another really close fight, and I would... I could see any of these two winning. I really could. Um... Having said that, I think John hit it when he said that uh, Michelle is the more well-rounded fighter. I think Rose's takedown defense is really good. Um, I don't know if Michelle will get her down. I think we'll see the majority of this fight played out on the feet. And I give the striking edge just to Watson. Just, uh, I think, her unpredictability of what she throws. She's got more tools. So for that reason, I'm going to give the pick to Michelle Watson unanimous decision. I think it's going to be a tough scrap, maybe two rounds to one, um, all to play for in the third round, but the karate hottie will take home the W. Yeah. Um, I think this is fight of the night all day long. I think this is probably going to go all three rounds. Um, both ladies prefer to finish the fights by submission. 
Rose has got like a crazy sub ratio. It's like something like eighty three percent. The thing that the thing that stands out to me is that Rose haven't hasn't even had ten pro fights yet um, on her official record. She's only got nine. Uh, Michelle's actually got double that amount of fights. You know, she was the Invicta champion, like Jack said. Um, she took a little bit of a break to be a mum, and I think that experience is going to help her in this fight. She. You know, she didn't look out of place when she fought Van Zandt in the main event. She handled the pressure well. Well, I think Rose let the pressure get to her a little bit in the KK fight. So uh, Carolina sort of started to started to get the better of her in the striking in the clinch. Um, this is a tough one. Um, you know, Michelle's both of her UFC wins have been by submission as well. But Rose's Rose's jiu-jitsu is legit. She is real legit. When she was on tough, she was subbing people like crazy. Um, you know, she submitted uh, Angela Hill. Um, she submitted Paige Van Zandt, like uh, Michelle did as well. But I'm going to give Walterson the edge. I'm gonna, uh, when Rose was starting to lose to Carolina, she started to fade a little bit, where I've seen uh, fights in the past with Walterson actually fought Jessica Penne in Invicta, and she was losing that fight. And she ended up getting a round four submission. So we've seen her sort of come back from adversity where I don't think, I think if the fight starts going Waterson's way, I think Rose might, you know, let Waterson have the fight. I don't know if Waterson's going to be able to get the submission, but I'm going to see her. I'm going to say she gets the unanimous decision. I'm going to say she wins by decision. Michelle Waterson, she's actually the underdog in this fight. I think that's purely based on the rankings. I think they're extremely even. Um, but if you're looking for an underdog on this card, Michelle Watson is a very, very live dog. Um, we're going to move on to the main event. This is the pound for pound number one fighter in the world. He's looking to equal Anderson Silva's record of title defenses. We've got Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson versus ranked three flyweight Wilson Hayes. Yeah. If you've been listening to the show, you know all three of us are huge Mighty Mouse marks and uh, I mean, I honestly think if he wins this fight to tie the record, I honestly think he is, he already is for me. I think he's the greatest of all time. Um, and once he breaks that record, I think that solidifies that. I mean, there's never been a more dominant champion, in my opinion, than Demetrius Johnson. He systematically picks apart every single person that steps into the octagon with him, whether He's in trouble at one point. He always finds a way to come back and win. We saw that in the Dodson fight. We saw that in the Elliott fight in the first round. Uh, And then in the rematch, he always comes back and completely dominates because he's completely figured you out after having stepped in there with you one time already. So uh, I think this guy is, you know, once once in a lifetime kind of fighter. And I think he's very much underrated and underlooked. Um, so against Wilson Hayes, who has tremendous jujitsu, uh, he's, he's a, he's a great jujitsu practitioner. I don't think he's going to be able to one, get Johnson down and two uh, stand with him and on, uh, keep him on, you know, keep up with him on the feet. Uh, I don't, Johnson isn't a tremendous finisher, but he has been finishing fights lately. We saw that uh, arm bar with Horaguchi with one second left on the clock. We saw him destroy, uh, who was it, uh, with the knees and the clinch. I forget his name, Henry Cejudo. Uh, he destroyed Henry Cejudo uh, in the first round of their match. And yeah, so I think we're going to see pretty much the same fight we saw uh, with Tim Elliott 
minus the first round. I, I think this is going to be complete domination for uh, Demetrius for five rounds, and I think he's just going to pick uh, Wilson apart for, for 25 minutes. So I'm going to give Demetrius the unanimous decision win, and this is also going to be my gold pick. Yeah, every time DJ fights, um, you know, you think, is this the guy to beat him? Is this the guy? I mean, the Cejudo fight for sure. I um I thought he would. I thought he could struggle. I thought Cejudo might be a guy that could take him into deep waters, and he, he shut that down pretty early. So, um, again, like I said earlier, Tim Elliott gave him a little bit of a, a bit of a fight, but you know he's never in trouble, um, and I fully expect um, him to do it again against this Wilson race. I think this is the second time this fight's been put together. Uh, I think it was scheduled once and cancelled for whatever reason. Um, and now it's scheduled again, so the UFC must must think this uh, must think Wilson Hayes is a is a, is a tough guy and a, and a worthy competitor because you know there's one thing creating a creating a fight on a whim because you've got no one to fight him, but there's another thing cancelling that fight and then rearranging the exact same guy. You know, there's, a, there's a handful of guys you could have picked, so we'll see. And hopefully, uh, Wilson Reese can uh, can bring it like like Elliot did and, and maybe make a fight of it. But I fully expect Mighty Mouse to, to take this. Uh, take the fight and, and achieve the record i think i saw a video of him kicking off about uh dc having three belts wrapped around him <laughs> maybe he was like i want my nine belts i think he, uh, <laughs> what he wants to do is um you know set all the belts on the table with his old pre pro belts and stuff and take a photo and sort of say look what i've achieved so uh, that'll be good but yeah official pick wise it's mighty mouse all the way and it's around four tko i think uh i think wilson might stick with him for a first few, but ultimately Mighty Mouse gets the W. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. I, I cannot see a way that Wilson wins this fight, unfortunately. Uh, I would love for it to be really competitive. Um, I mean, what can we say about DJ? He's only 30 years old and, and he's going to be breaking records, hopefully. Um, like John said, he does have quite a lot of finishes. His last 10 fights, five of them have been finishes. Um, and notably, two of them have been against the two best, the two other best guys in the division, which is Joe Benavidez and Henry Cejudo, and they are both first round de- demolition jobs. You know, his his performance against Joey B knocked him out cold, and the destruction of Cejudo was. You know, I had to sit there on the edge of my seat, and I was just clapping because them knees to the body. He dominated Cejudo in the in the Roman Greco clinch, turned it into a Muay Thai clinch, and and need him need him into oblivion. Um, unbelievable, unbelievable performance there. Um, and I think the fight's going to go a similar way. I think Wilson has to clinch to get this to the ground. He's not going to shoot a double on DJ to get him to the ground. He's not going to, he's not going to double leg him in the middle of the cage. He's going to have to clinch, maybe use his little bit of a size advantage. Um, but that's where I see him that his biggest strength in this fight, I see being a downfall. I think he's going to try and clinch. And I think DJ's going to open up that Muay Thai clinch again. I think he's going to need a shit out of Wilson's body. And it wouldn't surprise me if DJ gets on top to try and prove a point, to try and submit Wilson. You know, Wilson's got a better jiu-jitsu game on paper. DJ's got unbelievable jiu-jitsu um, training under Matt Hume. It wouldn't surprise me if DJ goes for the submission. But I ultimately see him either ending the fight in the clinch or on top, on the ground, uh, maybe pounding Wilson out. But... Um, you know, Wilson's tough to finish. He's only got two decision losses in the UFC. The rest have been wins. He has been finished by TKO back in his Bellator career, but he hasn't been finished for a while and he will be the bigger guy. There was one thing that I saw, I think it might have been the the pre, 
the pre-work, the pre-open workout scrum. It was an interview with DJ saying that um, he'd been bulking up for this fight. You know, he's never, he said, his trainer said that you're never going to be out of shape for a fight. You never run out of energy. So what he's been doing is just working on his skill set and his cardio, but he's been lifting a lot more weights. Now this, this, this excited me because I don't think he's lifting weights just for Wilson. I think he's looking at the next two fights as wins and I think he wants to bulk up and move up to 135 and that's what really excites me for DJ. I want to see him equal the record and I want to see him move up to 135 for some super fights. Um, but my actual prediction for this fight will be similar to Jack's. I'm just going to pick a round earlier. I'm going to pick a round three TKO or KO um, and I see it being by the Muay Thai clinch if you want to get specific. Um, Jack, I know we heard John's goal pick, mate. What one's yours? I'm going for Karate Hottie goal pick, Michelle Watson. Um, I'm also going DJ, Mighty Mass. I'm going round three, TKO, KO, goal pick. Um, we're going to quickly run back the scores from last week. Um, it was your damn fault, you boys picking the same picks. <laughs> you, boys only, <laughs> you boys only scored a four point each. Um, I believe that was for the, the controversial gay guard fight. So I, I feel like making that a zero anyway. Absolute <laughs> bullshit. Um, I had the Oliveira win, you know, I called that exactly right. And I had Cormier by, um, by submission. I just got the round wrong, but I made it my goal pick. And I also had Thiago Alves winning when you two had Cote winning. So I racked up nine points last week and you both racked up four. Um, we're just going to take a quick mention to our social media and then we'll be back for the betting tip of the week. Guys, please check us out on all things social media. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bright Hook Radio. Send us in your fight picks and interact with the channel. We'd really appreciate it. Keep your eye out for some fun prizes and some giveaways too. That'll be coming soon. That's Right Hook Radio at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Alternatively, you can catch us individually on Twitter at WilsonScott88, at John Fuentes MMA, and at Jack Lacey with two Ys. Okay, we are back. We are back for the betting tip of the week, the section that I like to call bookie bashing. Jack knows all about bookie bashing. If anyone followed my bet on social media last week, it was for Daniel Cormier to win the fight by submission. Um, it was a two-to-one odds on William Hill for the UK fans, so you could have easily doubled your money. Or if you get your money back, it's nearly trebling it. So uh, that was a great bet that come in. Rumble had lost four of his five losses by submission, and it happened again. And... Uh, you know, we went bookie bashing, as they call it. Uh, this week, a little bit harder to pick a great bet. Very, very close fights. Um, but this is always stat-based. It's no opinions. Um, and the stats lead me to believe that Jackeray versus Robert Whitaker will end in 1.5 rounds. So you can get a bet on William Hill for UK fans to bet the fight to stay under 1.5 rounds. And you can get that at evens. So, for instance, £10 with you, will give you a £20 return. I think that's a great bet. Um, also, if you're looking for a little accumulator or a double or a parlay, as they call it in America, you can get Nelson and Stevens both to win by KO inside the distance at 6.5 to 1. So a £10 will get you £65 back. And that is the bookie bashing betting tip of the week. And we will see you next week, lads. Yeah. All right. See ya. Enjoy the fights. <laughs>